Sword. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we are discussing The Green Knight by Chris Dietzel. Dietzel? Dietzel. I think Dietzel. Dietzel. Dietzel, I think. Yeah. We trust Jim for our pronunciation of it. Yeah. We're going to have to trust Jim <laughs> for a lot of things. Well, you know, we, we do trust Uh-oh. him. And Jim, we trust in Jim, we trust. Right. You're uh, in trouble. Yeah, All right, you're in you trouble. To, do you want me to read the summary? You, you got the summary up? Oh, let me tell you the summary. You got it. This book is about things. <laughs> and they happen, and there's a green knight. It was written by Chris Dietzel. Dietzel. That's about <laughs> all I know, because I didn't read the book. <laughs> oh, man. Confession you time. What? Confession, Confession time. Confession time. I, I didn't read the book. Confessional. Yeah. So here's the deal. I I was like, I'll read the book, and my life's been pretty busy right now. And I'm like, I, I put it off. And then we were getting close to, re- to when we were going to record. And I was like, I got to start it this week. I got to get it done. I can do this. I looked at it. I was like, I can get it done. And then we rescheduled. And I was like, oh, all right, I got some time. And then I realized I don't have as much time as I thought. And then I realized I don't really have enough time to finish it. So I just didn't even start. <laughs> you could so, pull on on didn't you pull a non-ader for some books? Yeah, but those were doing. <laughs> they were <laughs> like, totally worth like, it. Start at ten o'clock, read till eight in the morning. I know. I definitely I definitely hung out at at, at a Waffle House once like for nine hours overnight reading <laughs> Dune to, to get done in time for the for the show the next well to go to work and then come record. So the next so day. where's your commitment, man? My commitment is this. If this was an audiobook I would have been done forever ago because I could have listened to it at work, but it was not. And, and then people weren't saying such great things about it to me. That so the read people along. that people that were reading it and for reading to read along with the show were like, yeah, it's, I don't know if I even want to finish this one. It's not so great. And I was like, Oh man, that doesn't give me a lot of gumshoe to get started. And then I didn't get started. And mm-hmm. then, I was like, well, maybe I can find a summary of it and then just kind of like cliff note it, you know, like most of the kids in Scott's class. <laughs> right, but, right. Well, absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to Tur- try that with summer reading. Yeah. Turns out no one's thought to do that for this book yet. There's no wiki. There's nothing other than the synopsis that you find out there. And uh, I was disappointed in the internet. Um, I mean, So I, you're saying the internet failed you? Yeah. So basically... Here's what we're going to do. You guys are going to sell me on this book, or at least tell me about it. Oh, wow. Is that and I'm going to have plenty of questions, and I'm going to play the guy that got convinced to read this book that still probably will never read it. So, <laughs> Scott, why don't you give us a why summary Why do of the today book? what you can put off until tomorrow, right? Yeah, yeah or right? forever, for that Forever. Matter. Forever. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Good night, oh. nurse. Uh, he just called you a nurse. Take that. Uh, oh buddy. my goodness. That's right. All right. Well, um, <laughs> Green Knight Space Lore Book One. Mm. All right. So here's a, just a brief synopsis of the book. There are two kingdoms, right? Okay. And, whoops. I'm just hit my uh, mic boom stand. Sorry about that. And uh, there is a ship full of innocent passengers and it is destroyed. That's always bad when that happens yeah. in a ship. Yeah. You got to take action. You got to take revenge, right? Um, and we don't know exactly who and how things are going to retaliate, uh, but we know that something's happening on a pretty grand scale, right? And, uh, and of course, it's called the Green Knight. It's an homage to the Arthurian legend of the Green Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually not, I don't know, it's, it's, is that connected? I forget. Is that connected to King Arthur? I know that it's a, I know that it's a legend out of the uh, British yeah. English and that. So thing because I've read the Green Knight, the original one, um, but there mm-hmm. is a 
in a bar, which of course is where you always find a knight. And by the way, this is supposed to be a fantasy book, right? Yeah. This is a fantasy book, but in this fantasy book, uh, this green knight's hanging out in a seedy bar in uh, some corner of a, a solar system, right? right? Which means that, of course, makes sense, right? Now clarify, is he dressed like a medieval knight or is he a knight merely in title? Well, he is clad entirely in green armor. But not medieval armor. With a loincloth. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just threw that in there. No, no loincloth. He could have had a loincloth. He could have. He could have. They they, they, maybe, maybe the author forgot to describe that loincloth. Yeah. Because um, it would have changed the rating in the book. If that's right. all he was. Maybe it was green skin and just a loincloth. <laughs> and his skin is actually the armor. Whoa. And therefore, he, like loincloth might have changed the rating on it. And he didn't want to do that. Oh. Um, but anyways, um, he, of course, like the Green Knight in the Ethereum Legend, I'm saying Ethereum Legend, I could be wrong, uh, he puts forth his challenge, and the only person to kind of take the knight at his game is this, is this chick in here that's kind of, who really spends her time uh, drinking, uh, stealing, and uh, getting into all sorts of trouble. Huh. Everybody's favorite hero. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but it's great because we have a, the, the, one of the things this book does is has a female female heroine, and that's good. Um, and so these two acts, the killing of innocent people and this green knight and this girl, uh, all kind of fall into the guise and come up to a, cl a climactic uh, end. And um, yeah, so uh, it's kind of an interesting book from that, that that sort of thing. But a lot of a lot of throwing in of Arthurian legend references to that, some Shakespearean type stuff in it. So it's very good. Okay, did I convince you? Good. I don't know. Would would it, would you say it was good enough to finish, Scott? Well, I would say that I got through about uh, three fourths of it. So no, I did not finish it either. <laughs> but I read it. I read, I, read, I, read, I read more than you did, <laughs> sir. Yeah, I was not going to call you out on that one. Yeah, you did call me. You called me out. You, you guys. You what? guys are certified schmucks. Yeah. <laughs> Duly noted. We really and, are. Uh, I totally accept my flogging with a wet noodle or anything else. Yeah. I felt, I felt. Because like, good. I finished this book like three weeks ago <laughs> and I'm sitting here and it's like, none of us are friggin' prepared for this show. Well, I don't know if you noticed this, but the amazing Jim Arrowwood made some notes for us to go off of. I think it's great. Yeah. yeah whoever that guy is. <laughs> yeah. Props to him and the, all the, that he the does. The best thing about it is if he were to uh, do a little bit of loot in the background. Oh, perfect. I, I could totally fall yeah, I'm sure he's got free time for that. Yeah. What did you all do? right. So Teaching? anyway. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, yes. here's, so here, go ahead. here's how I stumbled on this book. Here, uh, how I stumbled on this book. Okay? Go ahead. I was scrolling through my uh facebook thing one day and there was this deal you sign up for a uh, sci-fi bridge which is a science fiction fantasy book thing and you sign up with them and you get put into a drawing for some outrageous number of books for free and i figured hell if i win this i got i'm set for life right right and <laughs> if i don't if, if i don't they gave me four books for free anyway and this is one of them. Uh, so that that's that's kind of where this came from. Mm. So, <laughs> David, you don't have any overall impressions, I assume. <laughs> yeah. Well, my overall impression but is you know, I heard you, bad things. <laughs> you, you know, well, yeah. And, and I, I would be kind of interested in hearing some of the things you were told. Well... Roland Smoker, please write into the podcast. <laughs> tell me, and Andrew Long, tell me what you, uh, those are the guys I was talking to who were struggling to read before I even started. So they're uh, old fans of the show. Well, you know, overall impressions, you know, Jim, I didn't hear about this book until you recommended it. When I looked up this author, he's quite a prolific author. He's written quite a few books. So, um, Again, I was expecting fantasy, and there were certainly elements of it. And one would argue there are, there are arguments I know, for example, that Star Wars is actually fantasy just set in space. So mm -hmm. I get that, and I think this kind of fits in it. Um, in fact, I saw a really good description of this book, and it was like um, 
this it said the, the description I read said this novel brings a Lucasfilm vibe to Arthurian romance and legend. And I thought this was a beautiful description of the blend of stuff that you expect maybe out of uh, a space opera like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, some would argue fantasy, but uh, throwing in um, if you know your if you know some of your 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 literature, and I'm an English teacher, so I should know at least a little bit of it. Um, you know, this really captures me, especially, um, again, I read, I got, I got, I got bogged down partway through. And I think that's, some of it was circumstantial. Some of it was the book itself. Some of it was the fact that I rarely sit down, even, and so it's weird, I'm on summer break, but I'm busy here with the bed and breakfast with my children. And so I don't sit down and physically read a book. Uh, I listen to a lot of books. Yeah, me and too. And so- so this actually hurt me in this case. Um, that being said, I thought, uh, well, how do you pronounce this, Jim? Is it Vere Casterland? Is that the way you do? Vere Casterland? I, I, I just said Vere. Vere. So Vere Casterland uh, is an interesting character in that, uh, and certainly perhaps a little bit cliched because it's been done before where you have the, the princess who kind of goes rogue and ends up with thieves and ruffians that are kind of... Uh, influencing her but um fascinating character uh, and ever as a central character and is one of the reasons that i kept reading the book uh, as much as i and helping me get through as much as i did even though i did not finish it though i finished more than david let's let's make note of that let's make <laughs> note true. of that here i did go look at some of the reviews uh in preparing today um what preparing i did do and uh i was quite surprised to see for all that I had been hearing, um, I say all, it wasn't that many people, but from what I had been hearing, the reviews were quite polar opposite for it. I mean, it has like a 3.8-ish, I think, on Goodreads. Okay. And most of them are, most of the ones that I saw that were recent were four or five star ratings. Um, so I was a little bit, not like, you know, floored, but I was surprised that- um, Four out of five on Amazon. There you go. Yeah. I think Goodreads is just a smidgen under four, so it's like barely fills the star up. But uh, I was surprised. So, I mean, I, at that point, I was like, mm, maybe I should have made time. But um, that's life, you know? What was that? What was that, David? Can you repeat that? Uh, I didn't say anything because uh, <laughs> there clearly was not a cut in, yeah, in the audio. <laughs> no, no. Seriously, uh, it's good to have that recorded the first time. I'll just... <laughs> Boost it up real loud when I get to that. <laughs> I made a mistake. What? Well, you're gonna have your son make a make a song with I'm that a, as I, one of the. I know. Things. It's ring ringtone when you call me, yeah, David. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Oh my gosh. Anyways, so that was my impression, Jim. How about you? What was your impression reading this book? I know you got it for free. Um. I know you uh, said, hey, let's do a fantasy book and I ended up giving you another science fiction book. But anyways, how did uh, how did you feel about this book? I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was interesting the way that the sci-fi and the fantasy got mixed together. Um, I definitely think it was a little more on the sci-fi side than the fantasy side. Agreed. So I would probably... I'd probably call it a 60-40 split. Um, I think fantasy people might not be real impressed with this book because there isn't a whole lot of magic in it. There's some weird things, but I I wouldn't call it actually magic. I think the one thing that I was a little disappointed about was that it had the title The Green Knight, who really didn't appear all that much. No, just, just a little bit to throw down the challenge. And Well, you know, and I, I, one of the things I did here as I was looking over, uh, as I was reading the book and then looking over some things that people were saying, is that this, that this book is a good introduction to the series. Um, mm-hmm. So if we were to like do this series, um, then, then this would be a great pr- like leaping off but, yeah. How many books are in it? At least three. Maybe, maybe more. Okay. Maybe more. Yeah. But I, I really I really liked the characters. I liked Veer. I really liked Morgan. I thought she was really cool. 
and um you know and hotspur one of the characters in there he kind of started out being more sinister than he actually was um right he kind of uh, led so, you along in that one a little yeah. bit so anyway yeah that's kind of that's kind of where i came from now before we get into some of the characters which i assume you'll tell us a little bit more about um and i can obviously chime in as well the uh, I, I saw the comment come out online that some people were saying that the characters felt a little bit underdeveloped. Did you get that sense? Did you want more from the characters as you were reading, or did they give you enough that and the story was compelling enough that you didn't really notice that? Um, I thought Veer and her group were better developed than than a lot of the others were uh most the rest of them just kind of they kind of seem like stock characters you know we needed right. a bad guy here we needed a bad guy there Oop, um, let's put one in Plop. you know I'm yeah exactly uh but yeah some of the but i thought vera and her group were were pretty well represented uh they were people that i cared about um and that's important. Uh, yeah. Which one? I think it was uh, Trask, who was the, I guess he, the the description kind of made me think of him as a Gorn with a big tail. <laughs> uh, Way to bring in the Star Trek reference. Yeah. <laughs> um, I liked him a lot because he was just kind of cool. he just swing that tail around, beat the crap out of everybody, you know. Um, and, and. The characters, like, okay, you had Veer and then her crew. You had Baslick and Fastoff and Oculus and Aladur and Trask and Baldwin. Those those were her crew, and then Morgan got added in. Okay, what each one of those characters on Veer's crew seemed to have a different function. There was an intellectual, and there was uh, someone that was kind of sloth like he he was lazy and eating and drinking all the time and you know the each one seemed to be a different side of veer's personality and they they interacted enough to make veer i think more of a complete character right they kind of uh help flesh her out or provide balance a little bit yeah and then morgan was really cool because she didn't take no crap off of anybody yeah, and I think her character might. This is uh, one of those other than the Green Knight. That do you think that she was? Uh, how familiar are you with the Arthurian legends? Um. Well, I've watched Excalibur oh, yeah. numerous times. So, do you think and... that she was modeled <laughs> off of like Morgan Le Fay? You know, that was her name, but I I didn't I didn't feel like she was fighting against the king i felt yeah. more like i felt more like she was um a person who was looking for the right side to be part of isn't morgan a witch yeah she's a fair witch a sorceress generally benevolent and related to the king okay so i have a question for you jim uh Yep. For listeners of the show, they know we've been reading The Expanse. Yes. Which is a team-oriented storyline. Right. How does this team and the writing of this team compare to the writing of The Expanse, team-wise? Because you're saying how each member of the crew kind of represents an exaggerated trait or purpose of maybe the captain or or whatever the main character but i don't know yeah. like yeah for me it's like the expanse the, those characters make a good team because they're not that they're so they're complete on their own as well as with each other so i'm wondering did that i mean one how do they compare and then two having having yourself currently reading that series did it bother you that these characters weren't quite as developed? So it sounds. 
Hmm. Um, you're you're talking, David. To me, you're kind of talking apples and oranges. Okay. I mean, that's kind of like saying, "Do you like Beethoven or Rolling Stones?" <laughs> right. Right. You know, uh, I, I the Expanse series is way different than than what this book is. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And yeah, and I totally agree with you that each one of those characters on the Rasanate are individuals with their own personalities, their own idiosyncrasies and and all that and they pull together to make a unit that is with for lack of a better word superhuman. Right. Okay, uh, in this one, it's more like, and I'm going to use another Star Trek reference. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, you know, that's the way it is. Uh, Spock and McCoy were considered to be two different sides of Kirk, Kirk's personality. Okay, Spock was the logical side, and uh, McCoy was the compassionate side. And when those two would be reading their lines and bantering back and forth, it was like Kirk having a conversation with himself in his head. Mm. And I kind of, that's kind of the way I see the characters in, in green Knight. Uh, well, at least Vera Casterlin's crew are different right. parts of her personality that have to work things out between them. And it's kind of like, it'd be kind of like her thinking out loud. See, I, yeah. See, and uh, and, and to be fair, like it, it's easy to say that each of the crew of the Rosinante each have their own individual, but in, in some ways they do kind of function as parts of a whole. Um, you have Jim, who's clearly not the muscle, but Amos is a muscle. You have clearly the navigator, and then you have the ship's engineer, Naomi. I mean, you have they're all functioning as part of the same unit. And in that way, I think that the crew that Casterlin has is, is kind of doing the same thing. They're functioning as the same, okay, maybe it's all parts of our personality, but they're still functioning as one unit together. Um, it's, it's definitely one of the things that James S.A. Corey has managed to wield effectively is to develop deep characters. And just when you think you've known a lot about it, in our last book, we've got tons a more backstory that fleshed these characters out. Here we're one book in. Right. Or right. in your case, no book in. Right. Or in my case, three fourths of a book in. You know, you you have um it's almost it's almost unfair to compare the two because we're five right. books in that series and and I remember the first time we I mean you you really found, you know, Jim and uh you found Jim Holden and then uh the detective guy, right. you know, Miller, right? You know these characters really well, and the other ones you really don't know that well. And um, so it's, it, I, I agree, it's you aren't comparing, right? It's it's a bit unfair to compare it with the levels right. of the book, but it's also not apples to apples. Uh, different stories, uh, different universe. Yeah, I didn't mean like the full story, just like the way the crews were built. I guess is what I was yeah. saying. But and to go back to Jim's analogy, I probably, I probably would have gone like. The bridge crew of the Enterprise D versus like Wesley and his uh, study buddies in that one episode. Who Shut were up, all, Wesley. Who were all like the personifications of all his uh, fears and emotions of going to school. You know what episode I'm talking huh. about, Jim? Yes. So I'm where just he was testing testing to get into Starfleet, and there was a smart girl and the Benzite guy, and yeah. Yeah, and then they make the, the comment where he meets another Benzite guy and he thinks it's the same guy, but it's not. And it's a comment right. on racism. Yeah. One is Mendoc and the other one is Mendon. I, but I can't remember the, the title of the episode. <laughs> anyway. All right. Love about Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> back to the green night. Yes. So is there any, other than the characters we already kind of talked about that are part of uh Veer's crew. Any of the other characters that you kind of want to talk about? We talked about Trask a little bit. Well, who's the villain of this shebang? Who is the 
All I well, know is the summary you've given me at the beginning. I don't know what the challenge is yet. I don't know who the bad guy is yet. Well, challenge is okay. to take on the Green Knight. Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead, Modred. Modred uh, would, I would say, would be the, the big villain here. Oh, I agree. He wants to be king. He wants to be king. He has actually taken um, and hidden the king away, locked him up and with, with no food, water, or anything like that in, in some place, put a double in who is dying from some sort of illness, and he's just waiting for, for the king to die so he can take over. And it scares the hell out of him that Vera is going to come back because she would be the rightful heir to the throne. Uh, she is, she is, um, the King's daughter and Modred is, is an adopted son or a stepson rather, I think. All right. Well, can I give a little bit of context for, uh, Modred? Yeah. So, uh, Modred who's also is more dread in the Arthurian legends um, yep. is depicted as author's traitorous nephew. Mm. All right. Uh, and legitimate son of King Lot in Jeffrey. Um, and uh, let me see here. He's also, he's often characterized as author's villainous bastard son born of an incestuous relationship with his half sister. <clears throat> I know. <gasps> um, and, uh, and uh, he's also considered the half-brother of Gawain. So if you know anything about that, Gawain, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, is the one of the, oh. one of the stories. So, so you, have, you have... What was that? Gawain. Yeah. So I always say Gawain, but Gawain. Yeah, Gawain and the Green Knight. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so this is... Uh, he's basing this loosely, which he was describing, on the legends of King Arthur. Right. And the various incarnations mm -hmm. of it, and different off different legends have them slightly different, but that's basically that's basically it. Yeah, and then and then along with him, there are General General Agravan, who is who is running the fleet, and another guy. Well, I should say on the other side, and then there's another a guy named Hotspur, who I don't know about you, Scott. But when when this guy got introduced, the first thing that came to mind was Vader. <laughs> I can see that. I did not think that, but I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he grabbed somebody up and just choke slammed them big time, just <laughs> grabbed them by the throat, <laughs> and he, he just didn't seem like he really cared about uh, anything else except accomplishing what he wanted to accomplish and he just choked the guy out um yeah well and it makes sense his name is uh the, the name hotspur is uh is means a rash or impetuous person and you really see that in that character yeah so so tell me about the green knight what makes him so special what is his challenge and why is he the title character if he's not in the book? He is in the book. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Well, he, he's, he does not play a huge part in, in this book. He shows up at the bar where they're all partying and drinking and throwing each other around, beating the crap out of each other and having a great time. He just shows up and everything goes silent. And he just kind of stands there. Uh, as I see him in, in, in my mind, he's about seven feet tall. He is in complete green armor, and he has a huge axe. And he, yeah, and he challenges everybody in the bar to fight him. And whoever does... I, I can't remember exactly what the challenge was, but whoever does would have to go and uh, they get the first shot and then they go and find him and then he gets the next shot. And Veer steps up and she grabs the axe and cuts his head off. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it rolls away on the floor. And then he walks over and picks it up and puts his head back on and says, fine, now when you find me next time, it's my turn. And that's in seven days' time. So she and has then he to just find walks him. out. What happens if she doesn't yeah. find him? She has to. Uh, then she, then she's considered a coward, oh. and and not worthy. And what does she get at the end? Uh, but well, like, she kept her word. She kept her word. Okay. And she found him in a cave, and she offered her head. Uh, she she just laid her head down on a rock, and he was standing there with the axe. And he brought the axe up and brought it down and on purpose just nicked her. And then he, then she received her, her reward for keeping her word and being brave, which was, she is to become the ruler of Casterlin. But wasn't she already the princess? She was, but she, she is, didn't, she uh, she, she had pretty well shunned taking on her role oh, yeah. in that capacity. She was just happy. She was just happy flying around and drinking and beating the crap out of people. I don't, I don't understand. This, 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 this act by the green knight though, uh-huh. uh, that's pulled straight from the legends of King Arthur. Okay. Uh, his hack, his head gets hacked off and he picks it up and rides away and. So it's very much out of the King Arthur legends. I, I get it. I just don't understand the motivation. And I know I'm, I didn't I read the book, a, so I don't understand. I think the thing is, it illustrates in her, in Ver, a sense of honor. That she keeps her word. Right. That mm-hmm. if it's a, if he lops off the head and then he, go, he, he the Green Knight has put forth a challenge that, um, you know... You do this to me, then uh, I'm going to come, and then it's my turn next. Well, this is his turn, and it's almost a test to see if she will carry through and have the courage to do what she has kind of agreed to in this kind of contract with the green. Okay, it's, and it's almost it's almost this test yeah. of faith. It's test of faith. I, I get that, and and you know something else too. Not only did she show her sense of honor. And being trustworthy, she keeps her word and everything. But I think that what this actually served to do was to show her, herself, that she had what it takes to rule a kingdom. And okay, and so I think that may sense. be I what agree. you're missing, David. Yeah, and I, and I, agree, I agree to that. Because without that aspect, it's just like... I don't know. It's like you're about you're you know you're about to become a father, and your wife goes into labor, and somebody challenges you to a game of chess, and then you win, and you're like, "Well, congratulations, you've earned the right to be a father." It's like you were going to be a father anyway. What? That's a, yeah, a but you didn't. Analogy, except but, that but, she was not going to necessarily be the the. the, well, the she ruler. was in line, though, right? She was, but she abdic she abdicated okay. it to to hang out with this these scoundrels and ruffians. So she, okay, and she probably, I'm I'm guessing, looking, trying to look back and see, but um, I think she actually didn't realize her potential as a leader in that case, mm. and the the challenge is what proved her worthy to herself. Okay. Makes sense. But is there an episode of Star Trek that you can make an analogy out of this for me? Jim? <laughs> well, let me see that. No, <laughs> a taste yeah. of Armageddon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, anyway. All right. Very good. Well, that's a, that's a good discussion of the characters and, um, finding out their context. And again, I think one of the things that becomes quite evident, you know, discussing this book is that having the premise and the knowledge of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight and knowing your Arthurian legends, Dietzel or Dietzel uh, obviously has a fondness for these and weaves them quite 
nicely in here and kind of updates it to be a uh, science fiction novel with a little bit of that. And he slams down his mug in the bar and it's, <laughs> it's all good to go. Yeah. No, but uh, I think he, like having a knowledge of Sagawan and the Green Knight um, helps a little bit. Or the Legends of the King Arthur, having that knowledge of them would flesh out the book. But you don't need to have read these to understand this. Right. All right, places and things, Jim. Uh, what do you think of the uh, the universe we were playing in here? Uh, it was uh, it was very interesting the the way they got around Stargates uh, with these port these portals. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I I called them I, I would have called them more like jump gates, like like Babylon Five had. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, because you know you destroy one and. It's just gone, and you don't travel anymore. The only way to get around in this universe uh, from star system to star system are through these uh, portals that they have. And Mm. uh, the one for the Casterlin Kingdom wound up getting uh, destroyed with a ship coming halfway through it, and the ship was cut in two. (laughs) Yeah, that's never a good thing. No. So, uh, I, I really, I really appreciated this, the last battle of this book. That was, um, well, I didn't read it, but I read about it. <laughs> <laughs> it Couldn't was, it was point. amazing. That's uh, what I they, heard. You know, so they, it was epic. Yeah. Veer and Morgan and everybody except for two of her crew made it to the castle and Veer found her father, uh, who died in her arms. And, um, there was this huge weapon that they called the crown because it looked like a crown and it was apparently some kind of an energy weapon. And Morgan had to figure out how to operate it. And she captured some guy in the control room that they operated this thing in and it was uh it was huge it would take out a ship in one one blow and so the uh vonnegan empire uh destroyers that were coming through uh they were just they their numbers were so big there was just no other way to stop them except destroy that gate and they right. destroyed the gate and cleaned everything up and um it was it was a huge battle, and I mean everybody was involved in it. Um, Modred got his comeuppance. <laughs> yep. Uh, Hotspur, he was. I'm. I think he was killed when she destroyed the gate. But yeah, it, it was quite the battle. I, I'm sorry you didn't get that far, Scott. Uh, well, I, <laughs> really I liked I still, it. I still. I look. I can still finish the. Right. Even though we record this podcast, I can still finish it. Maybe. So yeah. Unless David doesn't let me. You know, I see <laughs> I see the name Vonnegut. I keep wanting to say like Vogan. Like from uh like from uh Hitchhiker's oh, Guide the to the Galaxy. Yeah, with poetry. Do they have, do they have poetry to the Vonnegut and poetry? Vogan poetry, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's what I every time I saw the name I'm like, oh Douglas Adams. But <laughs> Vogon poetry made the make the paint peel off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! So, well, the end battle does sound epic, and now, now, darn it, I want to read the end. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, but. Let's get into some of your favorite parts. Tell me, describe to me your favorite plot points of this as best you can, with me not knowing what you're talking about. The beheading. Oh. When he when she cut off his head. Oh, it's great. Nice. Who doesn't like a good brawl in a bar in a right. sleazy bar with a green knight? For me, it's not a good Saturday unless I see someone's head roll. <laughs> right? That's a daily occurrence in school. <laughs> <laughs> Students, I'm always making their heads roll. <laughs> their eyes, maybe. Yeah, that too. That too. Yeah, like, their eyes roll a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's I think that's one of my favorite. Um I think the whole challenge mm-hmm. um, is an interesting premise. And I agree, like, 
it's not a point in plot, but the crew did kind of, for me, they fit like a, you know, it's like a hand and these are all fingers in the glove. And, and I did very much like the crew. So, okay. but Jim, how about you? What are some favorite points of plot for you? Obviously the final battle. I kind of the final battle. Yeah. Oh, the final battle I, is, is the number one thing for me. I think really though, the, um, the banter back and forth between Veer and Morgan and the crew, because there was, there was quite a bit of comedy relief in, in, in that part of the story too, especially between Morgan and Fastoff, because Fastoff was the, the, uh, kind of like the Friar Tuck kind of guy. He was always eating and everything and whining and complaining. And every time he'd open his mouth, Morgan would smack him. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> shut up. <laughs> shut up. And uh, she broke it. She broke his nose in one scene. And then in, in a few scenes later, she rebroke his nose again. And uh, <laughs> you can't help but, but laugh. <laughs> and uh, then, then another time he said something and Morgan looked at him and he's like, you're not going to break my nose again, are you? <laughs> uh, that's fun. So I, I, I kind of like the, I thought there was a real good balance between uh, serious stuff and, and fun, funny stuff. And then um, that scene in the forest, did you read that, Scott? What was it at? Was that the, the one glo- near the end? No, it was oh not quite not quite to where you stopped reading. They were in the forest and there was those gro- glowing creatures that kind of floated above the ground. And yes, it, yes, if yes. If they touched you, you Yeah. You like um, that? I I kind of did. It was like I I was trying to imagine myself picking my way through a swarm of these things without getting touched. If you got touched, you were poisoned. As a matter of fact, um, I can't remember which character it was, but one, I think might've been Oculus, um, was killed by, uh, one of those creatures. And then you could see at that point, especially with Veer, uh, how much she really cared about those people that she was with because she just dropped down on the ground and wouldn't move and wouldn't leave and, and made everybody leave her alone. And she vowed to come back and give him a proper burial, even though they didn't have time to do it at that time, because the uh, Vonnegans or Vogons were on their way. So um, I thought, I thought um, Veer was quite a, well-developed character so i guess that'd be a favorite point of plot yeah so what about your overall rating of this book and would you recommend it Let's start with you jim okay I, i'm gonna i'm gonna call it a a solid four okay um i i i'm not gonna give it a five because Oh, I don't know. I, I think probably because I didn't get to read the rest of the story, it, it just kind of ended kind of abruptly for me. And there were a few spots where it was kind of a push to continue reading on. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd give, I'd give it, I'd give it a four. I would give it a uh, 3.5. Um, again, partially my fault. I did not finish the book to be fair. Um, but I would, but for some of the same reasons, I felt like there was some depth of characters that was lacking in what I, I mean, not in the central crew, but some of the side characters, it felt like characters were just dropped in and I'm used to getting characters that are much more fleshed out. They thank you expanse for spoiling me and villains, but, um, I, I feel like I get a little bit inside the heads of them and they're a little bit more than just stock characters. And my expectations were that that was here and maybe, as we get down through, some of that happens later on in some of the other books. But in this book, I felt like it wasn't quite as strong as I wanted it to be. And there were times, as you said, Jim, that that you had to push through, and perhaps that's what stalled me as I got about three-fourths of the book hmm. through. And how about you? Uh, how do you rate the book, yeah. David? There isn't a number to equate my feelings with books. So. <laughs> All right, so you aren't going to get one. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But that's funny you say that. One of the, the criticisms I did read was that um, Chris Dietzel is really good at world building, but lacked character development to match it. So, Well, you know something? I wonder, because it, it, it does have kind of a, a Star Wars kind of flavor to it, um, I wonder maybe if he wasn't relying a little too much on book two. No, well, you know what? Um, may, perhaps a little bit. I, I heard that uh, someone described that he's this is very much a Joseph Campbell type story, um, which is, of course, what Star Wars is based on the mythos, the hero with a thousand faces, the journey of a hero that you mm-hmm. see kind of cycled through. A lot of mythology, and certainly in the Arthurian mythology, and you see echoed in in this book well. Yeah. Cool. Well, very good. Um, next month, uh, we're going to be reading Babylon's Ashes by James S. A. Corey, the next book Woo-hoo! in the Expanse. Pretty pumped for that. But find our next what to poll. Uh, yeah, you can find out what happened to Marcus. Thanks for spoiling that more stuff will happen to him. No, just kidding. <laughs> Rat. So the next poll, we've got a couple books. So um, is the one on here from you, Jim? Yes. The Lightning Thief uh, by I, Rick Rorgan. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, Jim, is this a fantasy book? I yeah. just want to clarify it. This is certifiably a fantasy book as far as I know. <laughs> okay. All, all right, right, all right, all right. right. And I am going to recommend uh, a book that I'm going to read no matter what, Throne of Glass by Sarah James. And I'm going to recommend The Prior of the Orange Tree, which I recommended last time and no one voted for it, <laughs> Philistines. All these people voted for a sci-fi book. What's up with that? Yeah, anyway, Come on was now. Jim just voting repeatedly over over on different again. computers. Yeah. But. Uh, so check out our poll section. Excuse me. So, Did you say Pulp Fiction? Check out Pulp Fiction. It's a movie <laughs> by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, that's very nice. Uh, check out our poll section on the website for more on that. Right. Um, if you want to get in touch with us and let us know what we thought about this, let us know how disappointing I am for not reading the book, you can do that by emailing us at Shame the- on you, David. Shame, shame on I you. I know. Shame. It's like Game of Thrones. Shame. 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 You can email us, theorbitalsword at gmail.com. You can call our voicemail. At 1260-577-CHAT. That's 1260. That's 60 for me. Them running my letters together. 577 and 2428. Cool. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Twitter at orbitalsword. Um, and you can join the conversation at orbitalsword.com anytime. We're on Patreon. Oh, yes. If you'd like to support us, keep us going, hit us up on Patreon. We uh, thank everyone who's over there giving us a helping hand. Um, Also, if you're into Dune, our old podcast, the Dune Saga podcast, is currently in a revival stage. That's right. Because of the new movie. So new episodes of that are going up periodically. You can head over to dunesagapodcast.com for more. Sounds good. So... Once again, for the Orbital Sword, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And join us next time on board the Orbital Sword. If I go to the sky, I will always see your smile. I will always see your smile. You're the
Miss you. 